Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. All right, we welcome you in to Fizz Radio on this Saturday afternoon ahead of Syracuse and North Carolina tonight in the final game of the Dome as we know it. It's Tim Leonard and Harrison Singer this week. How's it going? And Syracuse on a two-game winning streak now gets North Carolina. Not the typical North Carolina tonight, Harrison, no, but... Even in the coach's words. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The least gifted team that Roy Williams has ever Sheesh. had. But I will say, Roy Williams has fared pretty well against Jim Beheim in the past. And I don't know about you, I'm still a little skeptical that this is going to be a walk in the park tonight in the Dome. It, I mean, what? whenever when Syracuse plays UNC since joining the ACC a few years back, has it been a walk in the park? You know, it's maybe uh, being the last game at the Carrier Dome, like you said, as we know it, will kind of add some momentum to the crowd, to the players you know, on the court. But TBD, TBD. Yeah, so UNC has won eight straight against Syracuse and yeah. Jim Beheim. There is no one that has really done better in ACC play in terms of finding out how to crack the 2-3 zone. In those eight straight wins, Carolina's averaging 84 points per game, and that's unheard of against the 2-3 yeah. zone. And keep in mind, all throughout those eight years or eight wins, Syracuse's zone has been better than we've seen this yeah. season. Now, we did see signs against Pittsburgh of them maybe turning a corner I don't know about you, though. It did feel like, well, we have seen three straight really good halves now, going back to the second half of Georgia right. Tech, how they played all-around domination, three good halves in a row from Barama Sidibe, especially, yeah. which makes a Big difference. Man production, yeah. But it is Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh. Well, that's what and, I was going to say. <laughs> well, UNC's record with just four ACC wins, four and 13 in ACC play, really their worst year they've basically had in program history. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not even hyperbole to say that. Well, their record indicates they might be worse than maybe a Georgia Tech or Pittsburgh. They definitely have more talent. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Um, I'm definitely interested to see what happens today. Um, letting up 49 points against Pittsburgh at home. Yeah, that's that's definitely impressive. It's 49 points, but on the road, you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, right. sorry. Fact, thank you for that uh, mm-hmm. fact check. But you know, at the end of the day. What I have definitely seen to be a consistent trend, and it doesn't matter if this is the least talented team, and this is, I <laughs> should say it doesn't matter why, if this is actually the least talented team that North Carolina has had or that Roy Williams has coached, it's more so than I think the actual talent on the court against the zone. It's the coach going against. It's really the best coaches that are the ones that are able to pick apart the zone historically, no matter who they're really throwing out on the court. The Jamie Dixons of the world, no matter really— yeah. Who he was putting out on the court when he was coaching uh, Pittsburgh, I wouldn't mind that. Def- one coach that definitely comes to mind, Tony Bennett. But like you mentioned, Virginia, they have they, they've had a lot of trouble scoring this year. Sure, but in the past, it's really the great coaches that can pick it apart. Uh, Roy Williams obviously classifies as a great coach, so I'm. Just can't help but say I'm, I'm definitely very curious. Right. And there's something about UNC's style that just matches up very well against the 2-3 zone when you consider that they are always one of the best rebounding teams in the country. And despite having such an awful record this year, coming in at 11-17, and 17, they are second in the nation in rebounds per game. 
Now, some of that is slightly tilted in their favor because they just play up-tempo in transition, get a lot of shots that yields a lot of opportunities for rebounds. But they're still sixth in the nation in rebound margin when you factor in who they're playing. And you're looking at 76% Syracuse is predicted to win on ESPN. But that's when you look at the record, that makes sense. It's in the dome. There's a lot of things that favor the Orange. But again, UNC style, they get out in transition a lot, which means the zone can't set up sometimes. They're great at rebounding. They've never really been a three-point shooting team, Mm -hmm. and this year is no different. Only 22% of their points have come from beyond the arc. That's Mm. 337th in the nation. So they don't settle for threes. But that might even be a good thing against the zone because it forces you to go into the inside, which is actually what the zone tries to prevent is getting inside. And they want teams to settle for threes usually. Absolutely. I found I've what I've seen. It's the best way to beat the zone, though, if you're playing against it. I feel like a lot of teams succeed with shots in whether it's inside the paint, but also like towards the free throw line yeah, area because it's yeah creating the guy in the middle down low to have to step up after if you can get by those two at the top, it's like finding that sweet spot, getting sure. you know relatively high percentage shot off before that guy that middle middle guy you know kind of under the hoop in this case Barama Sidibe steps up and can get a hand in at shooter's face enough to alter it and ultimately force a miss. Yeah, yeah, we've seen Barama play much better. But now this is a true test because you've got Garrison Brooks. Yeah, for he's Carolina. the first name that comes to mind. He is one of the best big men in the ACC yeah, he this could year. Give them fits. And he he's six nine, two thirty five. Mm-hmm. He's top ten in the conference in points, eighth currently in points per game, right around sixteen a game. He's third in the conference in rebounds per game. He's yep. coming off thirty points, nine rebounds against shoots, NC State. Shoots fifty three percent from the field, so he's nice and efficient. Right, he is. He can hit that high post jump shot, and he, he's yep. he's a zone buster. And so that's why it's such a matchup nightmare for Syracuse because mm-hmm. not only do they have Brooks, but they have Armando Baycott, who's a five star freshman mm-hmm. who's got nine double doubles this season and is six ten two thirty five. Yeah, no, that's I mean right. this this is why. The matchup To me, this is the hardest yes. game left on Syracuse's yes. schedule in the regular season. Yes. I know it's the only home game, and I know it's the, probably the worst team record-wise they'll play it is, but it's Roy Williams, and it's North Carolina, yeah. and you cannot take that for granted. You can't. You definitely can't. This is probably going to be the hardest game that Syracuse—this has to be the hardest game that Syracuse has played against a team that has four wins in the conference this late in the season, I think— I mean, as far as yeah. I, probably off, right off the top of my head, not that that happens like incredibly often, especially against a team like UNC, but being that it is a team like UNC, being that yes, the matchup is the the, the thing that you alluded to in the very beginning of the segment. It's the it's the coach, it's the pieces that they have in place that could cause problems, even in front of a, a carry dome crowd. That I mean, being the fact though that it is still UNC, people are going to show up for Absolutely. this game, no doubt. So you're talking about another one of those carry dome sellouts. Just hoping that you know for Syracuse fans that they do treat fans to a to a nice you yeah. Know. We'll we'll get to our predictions later on in the show and better stay tuned. I'm I'm really torn on this one. I might even be deciding. I was gonna say like, I haven't thought like I, yeah. I don't know. I'm keep right. second guessing. I'm, I'm very torn, and I know some people hearing that might be like, oh, you haven't watched UNC this year, then. No, no I've course. actually the initial knee jerk. Yeah, I, I followed UNC very closely. I'm You're from, from that North area. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I just, get off this man right and, here. And all these all these things that I've seen this year is why I'm torn because UNC has looked terrible all throughout the year, but they are coming off a win against NC State. 
And again, it's just those matchup problems. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just something about it that you can't go against history. Roy Williams has won eight in a row. Now, this is going to be the first time really in this series since it's come to the ACC, maybe since the very first time, which is the only game they won in 2014 since these two teams have right. met in the ACC, that Syracuse will be favored in this game. Right. I mean, this is the first time that's happened. Yeah. No, I think this a, a huge thing also at this point in the season. If you're in North Carolina, you're 11-17 and 17 overall. You're 4-13 and 13 in the conference I think a big thing with it being a potentially difficult matchup for Syracuse is, is North Carolina coming in hungry and knowing that they're not playing for, sure. you know, this time as far as this time of year is concerned, anything remotely close to the past, you know, for years years prior, year after year. They're not playing for, for it's like they're, oh man, I don't want to tease this next <laughs> segment too much, but is that not as if, you know, North Carolina is being called by anyone a quote-unquote bubble team, right? So, right, right. You know, we'll see how much, you know, how motivated they come out um, on Saturday. But Well, you just teased today. it there. I think we got to talk about that bubble word a little bit. It was thrown around mm. again this week. Joe Lenardi discussed it. We'll give you his comments on the other side on Syracuse because people are going to talk bubble again. And I don't know about you. I, I'm I think here it's to just, pop it. <laughs> it's just too premature. So that's yeah. next on Fizz Radio. Stay with us. You know, what Syracuse did tonight was helpful, but they need a lot more of that. So, with that aside, it's exactly what they do, though. Whether it's in the NCAA tournament, on an unexpected run, or maybe now at the tail end of the ACC season and into the ACC tournament on an unexpected run. Those quad one games are there. They're coming up in a neutral environment. And who knows? For Syracuse. My bet is I'm going to be talking about them in some manner on Selection Sunday because it's what we do. Oh man, here we go again. Poor Joe Lenardi. At least he knows it a little bit. That was Joe Lenardi of ESPN, the bracketologist, of course, and we tweeted that out at Orange Fizz on Twitter earlier in the week. Got some of your reactions to it. Welcome you back to Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard Harrison Singer. And look, I don't disagree with what he's saying, but I mean, come on, they've only won two games against two bad teams. Pitt is not a good team. I mean, as much as you want to say Syracuse played good, sure, it's against a Pitt team that's really young, that they beat pretty easily at home, and they went on the road and played well, but this is just two games in a row. I mean, as of the first half Georgia Tech, I was ready to think this could be a losing season, and now people are talking bubble again. It's amazing how quickly we've turned. It's very, it's, isn't it like kind of signal the frustration of, putting together such a pedestrian season. Yes. How like when you win two games, if you're Syracuse, you win back to back back to back games off of three straight losses. Two or one sorry, yeah, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt at, at FSU at Louisville. Still not gonna help losing those two games. You shouldn't have lost to NC State at home. Yeah. If you're at least trying to make a compelling well, no case Hughes for March. Hurts, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Definitely. I'm not gonna sit here and and um you know, grill the team itself too much. But as far as that tournament case goes, it's not going to help. And boom, you answer those three games, two straight wins. And now you have Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist, talking about how you become a formal bracketologist. <laughs> I have, you know, like... Be a good of, job. <laughs> they should make that a major at Syracuse yeah. University. We should get in on that gig. That'd Definitely. Be, he's in his bunker there, of course, as he tends to oh, do. Yeah. That was on ACC Man Network. Cave. And... 
Look, they did jump a little bit in the in Kempom. They went from fifty nine to fifty one. Kempom really rewards convincing wins, blowout wins. So they got a boost from that. Jim Beheim doesn't like Kemp. He doesn't think too no, highly of yeah. it. Does well, he? that was kind of slant. I mean, he, I, don't, I don't know if he was referring to the <laughs> right thing here nor there. But yeah, we, we can dive into that at a later date and time. They are fifty nine on the net now. I it, to me, it, it's going to require run the table. ACC final, and like he said, your opportunity to get some quad one wins are at a neutral site, and maybe you get to that five seed, you're kind of in the five, six range right now with Notre Dame currently. If you get the tiebreaker over them, which comes down to your record against other teams in the conference because you split the series against Notre Dame, then you're the five seed. You probably start out with the easy game. So typical. Yeah. It's it's it's. I, I'm kind of sick of the hypothetical. That's four or five, right? Is that is that is that right. the matchup? So that, then you'll probably play Virginia, a team you could beat. But in knows? some regards, maybe it's better if you played a Florida State or a Louisville in that second round game because that's actually a ranked win, most likely, depending on uh, how so things shake right. out. I was going to say what at first because that, but if you. Play them and beat them. Virginia is obviously yeah, your best please. chance to right, get another right, right, win. Right, right, right. And you probably still would want that because then you could get the second win and then play one of those ranked teams in the third game, definitely. which is more meaningful. Oh, no, definitely. I think that they just need to win. Like, they just yeah. need to win. I Take it one game at a time. They can, the, to me, they not only can they really not afford another loss this season, they have to run the table through the last three. I think that is a no-brainer as far as putting together Absolutely. a compelling case. And then if you do that, you're sitting at 19 and 12. After that, you got to win at least I mean, yeah, again, it depends, you know, where they're coming in at um seating-wise for this ACC tournament, but I mean, you got to win at least two, I'm thinking right off the top of the dome like Yeah. That would give you what they'd call a bubble situation, maybe right. one of the last and four in, first four out. 14 ACC wins. Now, you're adding two more this year. You play 20, and then obviously I'm counting the tournament wins, the hypothetical tournament wins. Yeah. I mean, that's his best-case scenario we're laying out. And some, I hate doing this, Tim. I know. I some hate part it. of me hates it because just hearing then Joe Lenardi fun, there, yeah. it's fun, but just hearing Joe <laughs> Lenardi there, like, you don't want your program to be— regarded as that you don't want oh, it's the team that, that you follow to be and I, that's exactly how they should be regarded you're, you're, you're leading you're leading me into another tease tim what are you doing <laughs> to me because what i would say to that is as long as you are not pulling in these top like these top recruits these five-star recruits absolutely especially at the that center position change of especially the center position but that precedent that that comes from direct results on the court you know that reputation that won't change and, I mean, where the teasing comes into play is, I mean, we'll be talking a little Dior Johnson, won't we? But Yeah, we'll talk Chance Westry, too, next, yeah. and that visit that's coming up. They'll both be in the Dome tonight for that big game, the John Wallace jersey retirement. You can follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz for live updates of that. It, they are 5-4 and four on the road in ACC play. These are all good things, but then it's kind of with a grain of salt because the ACC is so bad this year. Horrible. And I just don't know why people flipped a switch immediately after this pit game. Because just earlier this week, Jim Beheim was on ESPN Rochester. He was interviewed. He had some interesting things to say, actually. He kind of made some news on the recruiting and kind of admitted that he's been at fault recruiting-wise with recruiting physical players in the middle, which was good to hear overall. But another thing he said when he sort of was asked, like, pitch the committee on your team right now, 
He was just blunt and honest and said, oh, we can't really think about that. Like, we'd have to win a lot of games. And if your coach is saying that, you know you're way outside. Yeah. That's when you know you're way outside. And in some in some regards, he's just saying that because he wants his team to take it a game at a time, as they should. But just one game after Jim Beheim basically admits, like, it's NIT. I mean, I was seeing them as a <laughs> six seed for the NIT, like, barely not— Barely in the NIT. And then they beat a Pittsburgh team who they were supposed to beat. Right. It's a road win, sure. It's right. convincing it was fashion. Because they, they won. I mean, it was probably because they won by Pitt so much. played terrible. I mean, they're not a good oh, team. Oh, I completely agree right. with you. I completely agree with you. I just don't know how we've we've jumped already back to this point. I That's thought maybe after. Happens, and I've been looking at these last five games for a while. And when you look at the ACC schedule, it's weird how it worked out. Because at the beginning of the year... They played a lot of teams that were kind of similar skill level to them, the quote-unquote bubble teams that have kind of faded, a Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, those type of games. Then they played the tough games in the middle stretch. You had Louisville, Florida State, Duke, NC State. And then now they're playing all the bottom-tier ACC teams. North Carolina, we didn't expect to be that way tonight, but that's where they are. They're one of the worst teams in the ACC record-wise. So that's how this worked out. I figured they could always go on a run late, but, I mean, it still is just— I know it's a weak bubble, whatever you want to say. It's still going to take a lot to get there. It's going to take a huge, huge, yes. It's going to take a huge effort. I really can't only echo your statement. They've put them, but they have just, Syracuse has put itself in this position. There are, like, every year where where Lenardi said it best, honestly. We kind of just find ourselves in the same position, but also like the way they get there, it's tantalizing because they'll go on hot streaks. They'll win. You got one, two, three, four, five games in a row. Yeah. One at Notre Dame, one at 18th ranked at the time, Virginia, and make you think, oh boy, they'll make you believe. And then they'll follow it up losing one, two, three, four, five of their next six, you know, and now they've, they've that was right before these last two wins. It's it's they're all over the place because when they're low, they're low, and then when they win a few, you think maybe they're gonna bring it, bring things back on the right track, give sure. fans a you know a glimpse of hope, and then you know, they end up. Which also is weird is after getting it on the bubble, it's like they've had their fair share of first <laughs> round or first two round exits, and they've also gone to the final four as yeah. a double digit seed. So this program is all over the place, and it's like. As far as history would kind of warrant the hope of that year-to-year consistency. Mm-hmm. As far as and then game to it's like their seasons are their individual games or, or streaks are like kind of reminiscent of their year-to-year as well yes. in the bigger picture. It's just so weird. It's analyzing. It's, you said it's it fast. Yeah, and it's yeah. weird, man. It is it's strange. Also, I will say, a part of me does feel like this year. They didn't really get the chance to have that top 10 win in the Dome or those multiple chances. They had Duke, but that's it. In years past, I mean, think of that year, last time they went to the NIT. Yeah, I know you're going to say. They had three top 10 wins inside the Dome. That was the year they got snubbed because of a lot of those (laughs) wins, right? Right. They just didn't have the road wins. This is the reverse. Yeah, They have the road wins. It's so weird. It's just the weirdest But I will say, like, I do feel like this team was capable of beating— a Florida State at home, a Louisville at home. I know that's hard to say because they game got was exciting by Louisville. Yeah, they did. But e- even the one game that they had in ACC play that was kind of a tough game at home was NC State, and they didn't have Elijah Hughes. And I guess I'm not counting Duke 
which to me, it's tough that they had Duke at home out of those three top teams because Duke was the biggest mismatch. That was Vernon Carey, yeah. and you just, just probably just, weren't going to win. That was like so mean. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he dominated. So, and even a... Iowa, same thing. The, those, those are the two best big men in the country. Luca Garza, Vernon Carey. That's who you had at home. You had Virginia in the first game of the year, but that was so long ago. It's the, weird to even count the that. The goal, though, because, you know, Duke's walking in, or if you're going to Durham, you're, you're playing Duke, who perennially will have the talent, a lot of NBA talent, and they'll have the talent to beat you. You, you, can, you should be able to put yourself in positions where you can afford losses to the Dukes, and not this year, but the UNCs of the world. That is, by sure, going into a, a, a place like Florida State and winning. Yeah, that that would have been nice. Playing better in non-conference. And then, yes, yeah. taking care of games like you know, like the, the Penn, Penn State. State debacle in the right. beginning of the Oklahoma year. Absolutely, State. in Oklahoma yeah. State. What happened in the beginning of the year was just like like that. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like now when I think about it, like, dang, they really righted the ship a little bit from then. <laughs> like, God. It's similar to that NIT year yeah. where they had that St. John's catastrophe. I was at that South Carolina game at Barclays, too. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, South Carolina went to the Final too. Four. Yeah, and yeah. they always struggle at Barclays. Right. Know what's up with that. Even though they've got a huge orange contingency there, it doesn't yeah. really make sense. No, yeah. Those are basically home games, but. Uh, I don't know. At least before Kyrie and KD came, it was almost as exciting as Nets basketball. No shot at the Nets fans out yeah. there. If you are one listening, but <laughs> anyway, I mean, games though too, like, you know, Virginia Tech at home, Odell was there for crying out loud, you know, <laughs> like they lost that game. They, yeah. they they should have won that game, you know, and then you talk about those Barclays games that never go well. And if you beat Notre Dame on the road, then why couldn't you beat him at home? And And now it's all of a sudden if you, and that was only a one point loss, you end up on the right side of those. I mean, the conversation we're having now after... I mean, forget the Florida State loss for a second, but the conversation we're having now, like, going into UNC of, like, oh, you know, this team is, what, 19-9 and nine or, you know, 18-10 and 10 and, and has a chance to finish off last three games strong going into the ACC tournament. It's like a— It's a, cyclical. It's, and it, <laughs> yes, and it's another one of those conversations that we have every year because it's weird how— yeah, the streaks are one thing and whatnot, but, like, the amount of close games that they find themselves, you know, uh, I guess yeah. that's the ebbs and flows. But Right. And we're going to talk about Dior Johnson, Chance Westry next. Real quick, on Dior Johnson, Yeah, it, when he said Syracuse basketball is back in his comments and that post that once he announced his commitment, that irks some people. But think about him. He's, what, 16 years old, a sophomore in high school? Yes. That's what he knows Syracuse basketball is, what Joe Lenardi said at the top here with all these bubble games. So, Oh, in order to people cl- were like, yeah, where, what do you mean back when they're not gone? Yeah, they were kind just like, is that why he why, upset people? And he said stuff like, I want to, you know, beat the Blue Bloods, which was basically implying yeah, they're a tier they're, below, yeah. but that's true. I mean, that's— I mean, the fact, like— if, where if we're at right now, yeah, that's where if, it if is. If you're listening not, right now yeah. and and still think, I mean, I wrote about when I wrote about Dior Johnson, I was careful to note that it had been six years since Syracuse <laughs> yeah. has landed a five star recruit, and that five star recruit was Chris McCullough, who I think we can all say was a given to come to Syracuse, given his dad, didn't his yeah. father play at Syracuse? I think so. Yeah. So, I mean. It's in the stats. If, if I'm sorry if this rubs you the wrong way, but, I mean, the numbers do not lie in this case. And it's something that I feel like if, you, you know, if Syracuse fans are listening out there and they don't feel like, you know, 
recruits don't hold the school in you know as from in that blue blood range of teams, then come back to reality. Win games. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I wish well, it weren't the case, but exactly. Well, they might have another five-star recruit in this class yeah. joining Dior Johnson. Said he was going to bring people with him. He said. He guaranteed Party it. time. And he's going to be in the dome with this other five-star recruit. We'll tell you about him next and introduce you to Chance Westry. This is Fizz Radio. We welcome you back on Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard Harrison Singer here on the score 1260 till 10 a.m. You can also check us out on the podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. We're everywhere. And you can listen to these episodes uninterrupted as we get you ready for Syracuse and UNC. And tonight inside the Dome is not one but two five-star recruits. One of them is already committed, who you know of, Dior Johnson, the 2020 guy, and he will be sitting next to, by all accounts, his good friend, Chance Westry, who is also a 2022 five-star recruit, also a guard, more of a shooting combo guard, which I guess Dior is kind of in that same vein as well. But Chance Westry will be there to see, hopefully, a packed dome, John Wallace jersey retirement, a big game against North Carolina tonight, and... There's a lot of reason to be somewhat optimistic that this could be one of those guys that Dior Johnson has said he will bring into Syracuse. He's always said, I'll bring other guys with me. I guarantee it. And Chance, by all accounts, he grew up pretty close to him. They grew mm-hmm. up kind of in that same area in Socrates. And right. they're good friends, which you don't want to get too optimistic because don't. he's— He might he, very well commit. Right. But— I mean, it's hard not to, based on what we've kind of read and seen and sort of reading the tea leaves on this one. Right. Uh, I think it seems, I mean, come to the, for the UNC game, we watched Dior commit after the Duke game. Yep. Uh, all signs definitely point to being a go. Now, I honestly, my expectation would be it's more likely than not that he does announce his verbal commitment yeah. I'm to almost Syracuse. scared to say that because I don't want people to get too excited. But I think like, it's a moot point. Honestly, yeah. in the scheme of things, I think it's a moot point, and, and people are probably wondering what the heck he's, this guy's saying oh, right I now. I know where you're going. And you know, but yeah, you know exactly where I'm going with this. These guys are, how, I mean, how old's Westry? Because I know Johnson. He's same age. John, yeah, so yeah. they're both 16. They both are sophomores in high school. They have two-plus years of high school remaining. And a lot can happen in two years. One of those things is the removal of the mandate that forces amateur basketball players to go, you know, oftentimes you know, wait a year before they go to the NBA and oftentimes that manifests in going to college. Yep. So. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but yeah. seriously, I think that he, that, that when he, when Johnson said that he is, uh, I think he's very genuine about the the sentiment of yeah wanting to be blue bloods. I do that chip on the shoulder mentality. He's from around here, just like Westry is. And I think that when Johnson said, "I'm going to bring other guys with me," I think that he, there was something he probably knew. Like you don't just go out and say that for no reason. What is interesting though is this this rule that can very well um, you know be abolished. And slowly but surely, I mean, with the work of a very, very fond, uh, you can call mentor of Dior Johnson. <laughs> you might have heard of him. Uh, his name is LeBron James. Yeah, heard of him. He's kind of, yeah, he's, he's kind of a relatively big name. But he is doing a little bit of work to kind of 
one layer at a time, like an onion, you can kind of say, yeah. to just peel open the uh, NCAA. And it might make Syracuse fans cry, and similar to how an onion make... makes you cry. <laughs> Bang! You got that was that was good. I like that. But <laughs> no, nevertheless, I think too. I can't help it. I'm, I'm a big conspiracy. I don't know about you, Tim, but I think that... <laughs> it doesn't really surprise me that much. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you can't be too surprised. You yeah. know, in our off-air conversations, you all wish you were here for that. But <laughs> nevertheless, I think this all kind of comes back to... You remember what Darius Baisley kind of dubbed the, the orange? Oh, uh, you're going LeBron... Comments LeBron on when Bayheim? when Baisley signs with Rich Paul yep. and LeBron says, "Oh, Man. this guy, this guy, this guy really ain't ain't it." Like you're I connecting think, dots here. I think LeBron's got. I'm I'm not gonna call it a vendetta because LeBron has so many other and probably more significant things to LeBron, rightfully so, things to do other than beef with, you know. And Bayheim's coached him. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to think right on Team USA. I just think that um, at the end of the day, it's like. He's very close to like he's around Dior Johnson all the time. His son Bronny, you know, Bronny Jr. plays for, with Dior Johnson on the Strive for Greatness AAU team. I think that whatever, whatever Dior or wherever he is playing in two plus years time, whether that's for Syracuse or or for an NBA team, I think LeBron James already knows which league, whether it's the NCAA or NBA, where Dior will be playing. And I mean, I guess what we right now we can call it fifty fifty. Yeah. I mean, I don't see a world where Dior Johnson and maybe Chance Westry for that matter. I'd say Dior because of his rankings, he's a little bit higher. I mean, we're talking about a kid who has like tons of Instagram followers. He's all over these highlight tapes, and that's Dior I'm talking about. Chance is Chance yeah, he does. Chance is still really solid. He's twenty eighth on rivals.com in that class. I think they both go or neither of them go, though. That's what Yeah, that's true. I, I could see that. And look, I think if the NBA one and done rule changes, which I probably expect it to change by 2022, I don't see a way where Dior Johnson is playing. How can in the you? Dome. Yeah. He even Why said he'll he? reevaluate. I mean, and yeah, you're going to have he's millions been about of that. dollars. Yeah, yeah. Which is also really respectful. Yeah. And, and even if you're a Syracuse fan, you should get, you know, respect right. that. And on the other side of it, he said if it's college, it's 100% Syracuse. So it's not like he's going to. Yeah. yeah. Like, He's telling you like it is. He's told you he's going to try and get more players. The transparency is, like, unique. Right. Like, for I, how I young really he is. Yeah, that. yeah, it's awesome. That too. I think Chance Westry might commit, and it's kind of ironic that this 2022 class is— I don't know what the right word is. Maybe ironic's not, but it's off to such a great start. It's, I mean, it's on pace if these two guys stay to be one of the best classes. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, Chance hasn't committed from? yet, yeah. but, but, like, is that— Odd that Bayheim's be hypothetical true. last be year yeah, yeah, is yeah. maybe when Buddy leaves, and that could be. I'm not like I don't know why this 2022 class is so There's a few things that come so to great. mind. There's a few things definitely that come to yeah. mind. Either okay, he'll be gone, and maybe players like someone's doing the kind of Hopkins type dirty work. Maybe it's Jerry McNamara. Yeah, and that's who's recruited. These yeah, two guys. yeah. So it, maybe it's that, um, and maybe they're ready to play for for Jerry. Jerry, there's maybe a plan in place there. Maybe it's. There's kind of an unestablished, but like kind of vibe you can call it, saying like, "Oh yeah, this rule will be gone among the other you know, players." Yeah, and maybe that's why they're committing early yeah. because oh, they don't so want to deal with that. Yeah, this yeah. is really early, yeah. and if we if we do see a Chance Westray commitment, which I don't know how Ooh, many of you guys subscribe to, yeah. to Crystal Ball, but four for four right now, Syracuse, yeah, is a hundred percent to get Chance Westray, and those came in 
relatively close to when Dior Johnson made his commitment. No, I like this a lot because, you know, if you're if you're someone who, like, one of these two recruits who is getting looked at so heavily now, and for the same reason of a lot can happen in the next two years of, yeah, the rule might change, a lot can happen in the next two years of, you know, two years you don't develop like you know, you're expected to continue. Yeah. not saying at all that's the case. Or you, you get an injury. Like Tyus Battle ended up at Syracuse because a lot of the Blue Bloods got a little shy after he you know, got a, sustained a really bad injury in high sure. school. So they're locking themselves into, okay, if I am going to college, like your direct words were, I, but they now have that security of no one can really revoke my, or, you know, I guess in dramatic circumstances they can't, right? But like they don't, they have, give or take, they have that security if, they have to go to college yeah. now, but they'll also, it won't hurt to have the financial security of exactly. going to the NBA if that's the case. I think to summarize, we're optimistic Chance Westry commits. We're pessimistic that him and D.R. Johnson play at Syracuse. Can't get high, can't get too low. Yeah. So It's with anything. Take it with a grain of salt right now. Kind of like Syracuse's fake bubble run that I'm putting air quotes around currently. I just hope but. this is, I really hope this isn't like, the next Baisley Carey oh, situation no. of yeah. oh, scars. Yeah. Uh, Not again, but, I mean, at least we'll have our guard up this time, maybe. I don't know. Fizz feedback. Fool me once, <laughs> shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into Fizz feedback. Get your voices heard next on the Score 1260. Okay, wrapping up Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard Harrison Singer. Thanks for listening. If it's on the podcast, if it's on the score 1260 here, we're with you till 10 a.m. Fizz feedback time as we always wrap up the show. Put out a couple polls on our Twitter page at Orange Fizz. If you ever comment to these polls, we will shout you out. We got a couple comments this week to get to, but let's get to the polls first and what the reaction was. Our first one, which we talked about in the opening segment here, we're very torn on this. It's who wins tonight. Syracuse or North Carolina? Very simple question. I expected to get a majority Syracuse responses. That's what we got. 86% currently is on Syracuse. North Carolina, 14.1% as the vote kind of just updated on me. But I don't know. I mean, as we talked about, all things point to this being a matchup nightmare. But I do feel like this isn't the end of the season, if that makes sense. I feel like Syracuse doesn't go down in the Dome in the final dome game for a while, or final dome game as we know it, with John Wallace there, Jersey. It just feels like they don't lose this way, but North Carolina is a tough matchup. Well, it's the, if you do lose, it is the end of the season. Unless you, you love the smell of NIT basketball, <laughs> then it would be, but I do think they're going to win this game. There's yeah, there's yeah, Not only is there too much going on uh, that should give – the players on the like, playing on the court momentum. The fans are gonna be crazy, like you just said. You know, all all of that. You know, and um, how they lose this game would be like they wouldn't deserve to be in the tournament. And but more so than that, it's really I think the lack of the quality of opponent that they're yeah. seeing. I mean, I'm shocked. I'm still shocked. This really still hasn't sunk in of how much North it's Carolina has struggled yeah, weird. throughout the year. It's very weird. It's a weird year. Yeah, I so. To me, and I kind of touched on this earlier, but everything, I think I'm closer to picking UNC than you are. I'm going to say Syracuse because I do feel like the only thing I'm clinging to is that, as Joel Lenardi kind of said earlier, we heard from, it's just what they do. It just feels like fitting that they would sort of at least be in the bubble conversation at the end. And I do feel like they played their best game of the year maybe against Pittsburgh, but 
North Carolina, it's literally if you were to write up a matchup that would be yeah. very problematic for Syracuse, with the exception of the fact that they kind of have nothing to play for in this game because right. they're eleven and seventeen. But as we said, they get out in transition. It makes it tough for the zone to set up. They don't really rely on threes, so they're yeah. not going to settle. They're going to go inside. They have tons of players at the high post, and they're going to get rebounds, and they're going to get Brahma City Band foul trouble. Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott are just matchup nightmares for this team. So everything is kind of telling me North Carolina pulls off the upset from an X's and O's standpoint, but then I just look at it and think, North Carolina doesn't have much to play for. Also, we haven't even mentioned Cole Anthony, who's going to be yeah. the most talented player on the court. It's weird tonight. how like this team didn't play, like didn't amount to anything. Yeah, crazy. they have so much talent. I mean, not so much, but relative to they're still other like, ACC they're, teams, they are not like on paper. They are not an eleven and seventeen team. There's right. no way that they yeah. are. And it's been injuries. It's been losing close games in heartbreaking fashion. Inability to close games. And that's also why, like, when you lose close games like that, just like that, like. Over the course of a season, now you're in the home stretch. I think the the to your point about it being a tough like X's and O's matchup for Syracuse. This game's going down earlier in the year. I would not be picking Syracuse with as much you know confidence right as I am now. Yeah. So North Carolina's won eight in a row. I think we're both slightly on Syracuse Even tonight. So, yeah. We did get one response from Cuse fandom. <laughs> At Cuse Orange fan, he said Cuse seventy eight sixty one. So he's a little bit more confident. Blowout than we season, are. huh? Yeah, which I I do think if they win, they might just kind of beat them pretty easily. At Cuse Orange, I can see that. Dang. Yep. So next viz feedback: Will Elijah Hughes go to the NBA draft? Yes or no? After this year, of course. Yes, leading the way as expected, seventy six percent of the vote. No, a twenty four percent. Our one response came from at Orange Analysis. We got a lot of Cuse fans coming up. He said, I think this is a no-brainer. He has all the tools. He most likely won't be a superstar or a standout, but absolutely will be a role player or sixth man, 3 and D type of guy. I'm firmly on the yes side here. I think if you're Hughes, you go. He's getting some hype. I think he translates to the NBA better than recent Syracuse guys. Absolutely. Better than even a Tyus Battle. And that's not really knocking on Tyus Battle. He just has more of an NBA game. He's 6'6". He's athletic. He can shoot. That's what they're looking for. And he's also going to turn 22 here in a couple weeks in right. March. Yeah. So, I mean, we forget he's a fourth-year guy because he transferred from yeah. ECU. So you, you probably have to go if you're him. I mean, I you just— You don't have to, but— I, I just don't, but yeah, like, right, y'all, yeah. But I just don't see how he doesn't, yeah. So he—it's uh, interesting because I do think— think about, like, how the game translates. Like, I think that both him and Tyus Battle are, like— very much so, both NBA talent, but I mean like that very much so. Like I think that he can definitely play in the NBA. I think that his talent, but also like tenacity, he can score inside. Obviously, can shoot. He does make at times, like especially in that Florida State game, like when he was relentlessly scoring while playing injured. Like he can get inside and kind of, you know, there's certain guys that just dictate the way things go, what they're trying to do. And yeah. it's like they do it. He's got a poise, a confidence Yeah, they about get him. it done, and then it's the way they do it. It's like, yeah, sure, it's like a make-it-look-easy kind of thing, but it's also just like he's like this guy can really do what he wants in, in a sense. You know, yeah. no one's perfect, right? But I, I definitely – my hopes are high on him. I mean, obviously, I think it's just hard. Like, you might not even – naturally, just because the way things kind of naturally fall into place. Like, if you're 22 and you've played – 
four years of college basketball, one, yeah, I get you were redshirting, you know, through the whole transfer sure. portal. But, like, if you've been in college this long, teams kind of like to draft young, I think, and kind of build their, build out their own project. Which versus, is why this year would probably be the best year for Well, this is all out. you got. Yeah, like, yeah. this is the earliest you can go, right? So I feel like not being at, and he's even told me, like, being at ECU, I mean, not that coming out of high school was, like, something that he had a bunch of a trip, but he knew, like, being at ECU was not something where it's like, hey, I'm going to be able to, Kind of yeah. bounce after a one and done year and get NBA right. attention. It's been a, quite the rise. So I, yeah, you know, yeah, and that's what happens when you kind of just upgrade right. as far as notoriety goes, program wise. But I do think he does go. He is he was uncommittal on his future, um, but that's only that's yeah, only expected. Yeah. Um, I I, I will say I expect him to go, and because of that. Like tonight, just enjoy watching him. I mean, he's been such a great player this year for yeah. Syracuse. Last game at the Dome for Elijah Hughes. Oh, Two maybe. Games. Maybe NIT. Oh, wait, I guess you can't play NIT this year at the Dome. I don't know. Syracuse, Is North Carolina. Is that because of the construction? Yeah, I think that's the plan. Syracuse, North Carolina tonight. Follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. He's Harrison Singer. Sure. I'm Tim Leonard. We'll talk to you guys next week.